And the reality is, is that we should be looking at our productivity in cycles, in hustles and floats. Work really hard, go be creative, come up with a thousand ideas, record 10 videos, connect with your people. Awesome, I cheer you on. But then step back, have some quiet, give yourself a chance to recharge, give your brain a chance to recharge, let those ideas bubble back up again. And then when you're ready, jump back into it. Hey everyone, I'm Maria Sansone and welcome to mom to mom the podcast. I'm going to start with a question for you. Are you too productive? Did you ever think that that could ever even be a problem? Well, my guest today tells us that productivity can actually be toxic. The hustle culture that we live in right now is actually really wearing on us. So I'm going to introduce you to New York Times bestselling author and digital anthropologist Rahaf Harfouche. And she quite frankly, blew my mind with some of the things she talked about. She's the author of a book called Hustle and Float, Reclaim Your Creativity and Thrive in a World Obsessed with Work. Is this you? Are you obsessed with the desire to do more? Do you wake up and feel like you're already behind? Well, this conversation is for you. We live in a society that idolizes creativity, but worships productivity. And Rahaf is going to tell us just how toxic that can be. So sit back, relax for a few minutes, and I hope you'll enjoy my conversation with Rahaf Harfouche. Rahaf, good morning. Rise and grind. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> I say that because we are diving into this idea of hustle culture with you today and its potential toxic side effects. And yet I see everywhere when I log on in the morning, rise and grind, let's go, no days off. And today we are going to talk about how to take a step back from that a little bit. I think that's great. I hate that word, by the way, rise and grind. I'm like, it sounds so violent. It's so awful. Why don't grind anything? We're putting ourselves through a meat grinder. And in many ways, we have been doing that for a long time. So this is going to be a great time to just sit back and and really think about some of the things we're doing and, and how hard we're working and how we can still be very efficient, but just kind of approach it a different way. But before we get into all that, you have such an amazing resume. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm a digital anthropologist, which means I research technology and its impact on our culture and our society, including the way that we work. I teach innovation and disruptive business models at the School of Innovation and Management at Sciences Po here in Paris. Uh, I write books, both nonfiction and fiction, and I do a lot of um, executive coaching and advisory and work with some of the biggest companies in the world today on everything from how to better understand innovation to how to burn out proof their work cultures because burnout is a real problem that's impacting everybody and it's making us sick. Oh, there are so many people who are so burnt out right now. You also worked on President Obama's social campaign. Is that right? Yes, I was a volunteer member of his digital team in the Chicago uh, headquarters during the 2008 presidential campaign. If I recall, and I might have this wrong, but was he the first candidate or certainly the first president to ever be on Twitter and have a Twitter presence? I remember that being major. 
Yes, he was also the first president to do like a YouTube live, much like the, you know, the live address. He was the first one to use YouTube to do that. He was actually one of the first politicians to reach out across the board on different social networks. So the in 2008, when we were so innocent about the impacts of these tools that seemed so shiny and bright, yes. uh, he was one of the first people to use it to connect to voters for sure. We're going to talk about social media and how it impacts this idea of burnout and hustle and all of that. But first, let's talk about your book, Hustle and Float, Reclaim Your Creativity and Thrive in a World Obsessed with Work. I feel like this is so relevant in this moment. What inspired you to write this back when you wrote this a couple of years ago? So I suffered a massive episode of, of burnout myself. My hair fell out. I was gaining weight. I couldn't sleep. I was actually sick. I couldn't work. And as I was recovering, it took me months and months to recover. I asked myself, I was like, why did this happen to me? It's not like I don't know that I should take a rest. It's not that I don't know the value of breaks and the value of eating well and moving your body, but something was pushing me to keep going AKA hustle propaganda. And it was turning out that in, in my effort to be ambitious and to tackle these big goals, the tactics that I was using that were promised to help me go further were actually making me sick. And I wanted mm -hmm. to understand why this was happening. I wanted to understand why all of us were buying into a story about success, about work, about hustle, um, about who gets to be successful. But that story, not only was it a lie, but that story was actively hurting our capacity to be creative and innovative. How did you identify what you were going through as burnout? I know for myself, I've probably had periods of burnout now that you say that over the years, but I don't know I'd be able to label it as such. How did you know that's what you were dealing with? So I hit a wall. So burnout is a spectrum of all sorts of different types of symptoms that present very differently from person to person. At the core, it is just what happens when your body is depleted too often beyond its ability to replenish itself. So if you're chronically fatigued, if you're chronically not sleeping enough, if you're chronically overworking, it's just what happens when your body starts to break down. And so symptoms look like uh, depression, numbness, anger, hair loss, stomach pains, back aches, eye strains, like it's, it's a, a wide variety. How I identified it as burnout was I woke up one day and it felt like my brain had just turned off. I could not come up with an idea. I could not, it was like reaching into a dark space where ideas should be and getting nothing. Wow. And I was terrified that I literally thought I broke my brain. And I went to the doctor and he was like, oh no, your hair's falling out. You're clearly a wreck. You are burned out. You need to stop working and rest and recover. And so that's how I actually found out that it was officially burnout. But, uh, you know, it, like I said, it's a spectrum. So you can be burning out for a while. Unfortunately, many people just have this, like they hit a wall, they hit hard, they hit um, rock bottom. And sometimes their body gives out. I was very lucky that while my hair fell out, I didn't suffer like massive physical symptoms. I spoke to people who had migraines nonstop, who had, who had back pain nonstop, whose bodies started to fail them because they were so under replenished. And there are solutions. And one of them is slowing way, way down, right? So here's where it gets kind of tricky because we all know we should slow down, but yeah. we have hustle culture. We have an entire society that tells us if we want to be successful, we have to keep going. 
We have to take no days off. We have to stay late at the office. We have to pull 16 hour days. And so if you do that, and if you believe that, then even when you're taking a break, you're probably feeling guilty that you're taking a break, or you're probably not letting yourself take a break. So how can we slow down when every message we get about what it takes to be successful is telling us that we should be speeding up instead? Where did this hustle culture come from? Has it always existed? Has it amped up in recent years? So it has its roots in a lot of our history, the concept of the American dream. I mean, this is far more complex than deep dive in my book. I'm giving you, you know, the, the, the overarching view, but if the American dream is this idea that exists in all sorts of other countries, by the way, but the premise is if you work hard enough, you'll be successful, right? How many of us believe that if I work hard enough, I'll be successful eventually. But the flip side of that is that if we believe that if we work hard enough, we'll be successful, then we also believe that if we're not successful, it must be because we're not working hard enough. And that's a lie. There are a lot of other reasons, especially for women that we face that determine success. Yes, hard work is one of them, but so is the place that you're born and the family you're born into and your access to economic opportunities and your access to education, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Luck, timing, inherited wealth. There's a whole lot of variables there, but we convince ourselves, no, it must be because I'm not waking up at 5 a.m. in the morning. Right. So a couple of things there jump out at me. It's one, how do you define success? Success looks different to a lot of different people. And the other thing is, how do you define hard work? Is hard work hours put in? Is hard work output? Is hard work, you know, what does that mean? And so to all of us, it means different things. And so we end up just cranking. Well, yeah. So we've gotten to a state and this is when like the, where the cultural part is really interesting. We've gotten to this point in time where it's not just about succeeding. It's about how hard we work to get there. So if you read in the news and you read stories of successful people, it always talks about the time they get up in the morning, how yes. late they stay at the office. So it's no longer even about getting somewhere because of hard work. We're just glorifying being busy for the sake of being busy. I think there's a huge emphasis on being busy in our culture, whether you are career focused or not. I just think I, I know a lot of moms who are just, their schedules are so full all the time. They have their kids over scheduled. They are over scheduled, volunteering, doing all these things. And sometimes I wonder, is it just for the sake of being busy? Almost like pushing papers around in an office or is that the equivalent? Is that what's happening? I mean, the sad thing is, is that we have become so obsessed with the idea of being productive, the idea that every single minute of the day has to be delivering some sort of output that we feel that if we're not being busy, that we're not important, that we're not deserving of our success, that we're not committed to our goals and our family's success. What's happened is that we've taken our own sense of self-worth and we've linked it to our to-do list. And so we feel good about ourselves when we're really busy because that's a way to show us other people, not only, Hey, I'm important, but Hey, I deserve the good things in my life because look how hard I'm working to get them. So you mentioned being productive and it's interesting because this is something I think about all the time. I try to think about healthy things that boost my endorphins at the end of the day, when I lay down, what's something that happened today that, you know, was a healthy thing that I did that made me feel good. And for me, I've always put productivity in that healthy category of this is something that, you know, I got a lot accomplished today. And, um, and so I feel really good about myself when I lay my head down after looking at your book and talking with you, I realized productivity might not necessarily always deserve to be on my healthy 
side list. It, it might actually be kind of a, a toxic thing for me. I mean, here's the thing, right? I'm not saying that productivity is bad. I'm not saying that hard work is bad. I'm not saying that being ambitious is bad. All I'm saying is work hard, right? But take care of your body, take care of your brain, take care of your heart, take care of your soul. And the idea that you could just push nonstop day after day without taking care of those things and not having it have an impact is absolutely ludicrous. So when people say, well, you're against hard work, absolutely not. Work really hard. But, as a, but then take the time to recharge your batteries, take the time to replenish. And we have gotten to the point where we think that if it's downtime, it's not important. That downtime mm. is a nice to have. When in actuality, if you wanna be a high performer, if you wanna get it all done, you actually have to do less because you know this. And look, I'll, I'll ask you a question. If you're pulling a 16 hour day, what level of work are you producing hour 13, 14, 15, and 16? It's trash, it's garbage. Yeah. It's, but you feel good because you're like, it's 16 hours versus if you stopped after say eight hours, took a break, took a nap, took a rest, made a sandwich, went for a run and then came back. How much more effective would it be? Even if you were working less hours overall, we're just obsessed with quantity of time and not quality of time. And, and I definitely feel that because I work in a creative industry. And so I'm constantly coming up with new ideas and creating and developing and editing and putting things together. And when there's nothing there, when the tank is empty, it's, it's broken. I, I cannot deliver. I cannot do it. And I talk about this all the time because we're going to get into social media and this is probably a good place to do it, but I get what I call social fatigue and <laughs> <laughs> I'm in an interesting, you know, I understand that my industry is a little bit different because I create videos for social media and it's part of my business. Um, but there are days where I get so fatigued from just even being on social media that I, I'm almost paralyzed and I have to take a couple days off just to replenish and to get those creative ideas flowing again. And then when they come back, they come back, but I, the break is, is huge. And I've definitely noticed that I would think that this bleeds into everybody's world, this social media fatigue. Yeah, social media is built specifically to keep you on it all the time. So yeah. if used with intention, if you use it when you want some inspiration, when you want to connect with people, it's a great supportive tool. But the idea that you need to be connected all the time, responsive all the time, available all the time, that's absurd. And you said it, especially as a creative, every single one of us has ebbs and flows. There are times when we have high energy, there's times when we have low energy. Yet we expect ourselves to always act as though we're high energy all the time, regardless of what day of the month it is or what our energy level is like or what the time of the day it is. And the reality is, is that we should be looking at our productivity in cycles, in hustles and floats. Work really hard, go be creative, come up with a thousand ideas, record 10 videos, connect with your people. Awesome, I cheer you on. But then step back, have some quiet, give yourself a chance to recharge, give your brain a chance to recharge, let those ideas bubble back up again. And then when you're ready, jump back into it. Would you recommend taking that little break for yourself before you get to the point where you are paralyzed, as I put it? <laughs> because it sounds like, for me, now that I'm saying it out loud, I kind of wait until I'm spent. And then I'm like, I am so done with this. I'm done with all of it. I need to just chill out all weekend and not touch a computer or not do anything, but maybe I should, we should catch that before and give ourselves almost like pencil in a little bit of a break for our brains. 
I think that is a really smart idea. Don't forget, these technologies are designed to be as addictive as possible. They want you to be on there all the time. So you have to be the one that sets those limits. I have those little control limits on my phone where after a certain amount of minutes during the day, it just cuts me off because I know, even though it's addictive and the temptation is there, I know that if I go on there for longer, I don't feel good about it. I start feeling bad. I start feeling gross. I get fatigued. So we have to be the one that says, I'm going to be in this space as long as it's fun, educational, inspiring, cool, but I'm going to do it for 45 minutes a day. I'm going to do it for an hour a day. Yeah. And then I'm going to boundaries and go live my life. Exactly. Boundaries. Like we give our mm-hmm. children, we wouldn't let our kids go mindlessly scrolling online because we know how bad that is. The science is there for all of us, for adults too, that it actually can make us depressed. Yet yeah. so many of us just find ourselves mindlessly scrolling out of addiction, boredom, anxiety, whatever it may be, it's, it's an escape. So what strategies would you give for people to thrive in this digital culture? It's not going anywhere. We have to lean into it. What strategies would you offer? So I've got a couple of quick things that you can, that you can start doing right away. One we just talked about, which is be intentional, decide before you open up social media, what you want from it for that time. Are you looking for connection, information, entertainment? If you're just bored, maybe, you know, think of a better thing to kind of do. But I find that as long as you're intentional about your use of social media, it could be something that's quite energizing and replenishing. The second thing that you can do is pay attention to your cycles. Everybody has a time of the day when they're the most creative. I'm a night owl. I'm more creative late afternoon and at night. My One of my good friends is a super early bird. So find out when those creative juices are flowing and try to protect that time as best as you can. So maybe don't go on social media if you are an early bird first thing in the morning because that's like your precious idea time. And the last yeah. thing is to start treating breaks not as nice to have, but as essential parts of being ambitious. Start looking for rest, even 15 minutes. Take 15 minutes and stare at a wall, destimulate your brain, give your brain a chance to just come down. I know it sounds wild, but I promise you it will change your life if you do it. And then pick up and go again. If my husband comes home and finds me staring at a wall, he's going to be like, are you okay? <laughs> and then you'll be like, sit down, I'm join meditating. me. Yeah, do it. Let's let's wall gaze. I like that. <laughs> you were talking about creativity morning versus night. And I was just mm-hmm. thinking I'm definitely a morning person and I get up and lately the first thing I've been doing is playing Wordle because I'm so <laughs> sharp in the morning. It's kind of a waste of my creative juices, but you know, it's of the moment and we're having fun with that. But I did want to ask you about so many of the books I read are about getting up early the 4am club and the morning miracle and morning blah, 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 fill in the blank. And we had mentioned earlier about all these successful people. It seems like one of the keys to their success, if you can find a common denominator, has been this early, early, sometimes 4am wake up call. Where do you sit on that? So that's a total why. I actually deep dived into this. I actually looked at the research. I looked up everything. So what actually ends up happening is that there are people who have different cycles of their energy peaks. 
if you are a morning person, you're going to thrive with a morning routine because a lot of our society is structured to prioritize morning people. We have nine to five. So of course, they're going to be, they're going to appear to be more successful in terms of what they're going to get done in that day. But what the science actually shows is that if you are a night owl, you can take everything that that morning routine person does and you can do it at night and you're going to get the same benefits. You can do your journaling at night. You can do your meditation at night. You can do your movement later in the evening. We have just been obsessed with this idea of um, morning of early birds. And I actually wrote an article on Medium that you can find uh, that details all of the research that has been done and lets you know that it's not about whether it's morning or nighttime routine, it's about what works for you. And there are a lot of people throughout history, Da Vinci, Obama, that are known night owls. And so they're just not as popularized because we want people to tell you to get up early, but it's whatever works for you. So we've learned so much so far about hustle and how it can, you know, not really benefit our creativity and our, you know, our physical being and all these things, but it's, it's like anything, it's going to be hard to create a new habit where we actually rest in the day. So how do you recommend we start? You know, the first thing I tell people is to expect to feel resistance, expect to feel that little voice in your head that says, this is dumb to take a break, or I shouldn't take a break, or I'm falling behind, because the idea of constantly working is so deeply embedded in our society and in our beliefs about work. But recognizing that that resistance is normal, fighting through it, and challenging yourself to try experiments. I guarantee you, try resting regularly and you will see with your own eyes how your work improves and how your creativity and your mood improves. But most people turn away because of that resistance and that's because they're going against a deeply ingrained habit. Deeply ingrained. And how does this all impact the rest of the family? I imagine when you have a parent who is obsessed with the hustle mm -hmm. and the grind and work, the kids and everybody else are impacted by that. I mean, there's so many different ways that the that kids are impacted and that families are impacted. First and foremost, if you're constantly focused on the hustle, then you're missing the opportunities of just being with your child. I always think about uh, the book, The Five Regrets of the Dying, which was written by a hospice nurse named Bronnie Ware. And she said that one of the most common regrets that people have at the end of their lives was working too much and not spending enough time with their families. And so as we're pursuing all of these goals, you know, think about one day you're going to get to the end of your life. And are you going to say, I wish I did one more Zoom meeting? Or are you going to say, I wish I took my kid to the park? I wish I hung out with them more. I wish we spent more time together. Together. That's the first thing. And the second thing is that kids look at what you value, they absorb your value system. So if you teach them to never stop hustling, to not value and prioritize rest, to ignore the signs of their own body that they need rest and recovery, they will absorb all of that, they will internalize it, and they will just repeat those unhealthy patterns. With burnout on the rise, the best thing you could do for your family and for your children right now is to teach them that rest is something that is absolutely important for their well-being and for the entire family's well-being. I would think that everybody who's either listening to this or watching this would say that their wish is to be more present. I don't know anyone who doesn't want to be more present in their life. And you cannot show up if you are burnt out. So take this and do with it what you will. But if we learned nothing, it's just take a minute, take a breath, stare at the wall. <laughs> <laughs> 
And it's not you. It's not you. you. People feeling that they're falling behind, people feeling like they're not getting up early enough or that if they just did something a little bit harder, it's not you. The entire system is rigged against us. So we need to dream up our own system. And it's because we're constantly comparing ourselves to everybody else too. And social media makes it really easy to do that. The moment you wake up, you log on and you see that all of these people have already been up doing all of these things. And it makes mm-hmm. us feel like we aren't we aren't up to snuff. So there's so many things that go into this. This was such an enlightening conversation. Thank you so much. Please let everyone know where they can find you and find your book out there. So I'm at rahafharfush.com. I've got a weekly newsletter that comes up. You can find me on probably every single social media platform and you can get my book anywhere where books are sold. All right. Thank you so much. I loved this conversation. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much for tuning in to mom to mom If you're interested in any of the other conversations with all of my amazing guests, you can find them and binge them wherever you watch your podcasts. And if you're in the New England area, you can catch mom to mom the TV show. It's on Mondays at 1130 a.m. on NBC10 Boston. All right, that's a wrap for us, and I'll see you next week here on mom to mom <laughs>